Good afternoon. The time is 1 o'clock. You are tuned to WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise. It is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. And time now for a half an hour of Farm Talk with Phil Blevins, Virginia Tech Agricultural Extension Agent. It's good to be with you again today. Thank you, Ivy. It's good to be here on WEHC talking about uh, things agricultural today. Keep in mind that if you have questions, you can call in uh, to the station here. And if you have questions that I can't answer on or that you don't think of while I'm online, you can uh, send those to pblevins at vt.edu. And we will see you do our very best to get you a good answer on that. As we announced, we'll be talking about backyard poultry today. We'll probably talk about that today. Uh, as well as through the next program as well. It's such a big topic. There's a lot of interest in raising chickens in our part of the world. Uh, poultry obviously encompasses a lot more than that, but we'll be focusing on chickens for the various purposes that, uh, that we have them for. So again, if you have questions, please feel free uh, to call in on those. And Ivy, I've already forgot that number. I know it's 944. It's 276 944 Six nine three three. Okay, thank you. So, we'll start out with the basics today. And uh, if you grew up in this part of the world, you probably grew up on a farm that had chickens and a little bit of everything else to try to sustain the family. And you know, really, back in the pandemic and after that, uh, there was a big interest that began to be uh, forming in the area about pro- providing your own food when we ran into some shortages. Kind of shows you how critical agriculture is when you go to the store and there's not something there you want to eat. And then we went through a spell in the last couple of years with avian influenza where a lot of big flocks had to be depopulated in the United States. And eggs got really expensive about a year ago and people started buying chickens and there were hens bringing as much as $55 at auction. And so people really got interested in it at that point. Uh, but so we'll start with the basics and those of you, I know you'll know these things, but uh, some of you may be interested when we think about poultry. Uh, you know, the one that most people are interested in are the hens, which are the ones that lay the eggs. But then you have some that they like to have keep the family going. And so obviously you have to have a rooster. And I, I want to lay one myth aside um, immediately about eggs. Uh, if you crack an egg, the white thing that you see in the egg is not a baby chicken. Uh, that's actually a protein called the chalaza. That's actually part of the egg that keeps the yolk suspended inside the egg so that it doesn't uh, rupture in the egg. And so as we uh, look at uh, chickens, there are really different types of chickens. You have breeds uh, that have been developed for different purposes. You have egg breeds, those that are, that are developed strictly for the purpose of producing eggs. Now, their meat's good, but there's just not much meat there. Uh, they're a thin muscle kind of hen that, um, that is developed for that purpose. Then you have those like the Cornish rock crosses that are made strictly for meat. We have uh, broiler types today that are raised in the industry that can actually go from two ounces to six pounds in about six weeks. And so those are the broiler types that are used today. And they were developed from the Cornish rock. And then you have dual purpose. And that's what a lot of people have in our part of the world. They have chickens that will work both for layers 
or for meat types. And if you're strictly interested in chick in, in egg layers, one of the most popular one is a white leghorn that a lot of people use. Um, they're a little bit flighty. Uh, you know, my dad never did want white leghorns when we had chickens because they're a little bit flighty, nervous, and so he didn't want them. Uh, some others that are used for that are golden comet and then red sex links. And so there are other egg breeds. There's hundreds of breeds of chickens, seemed like. If you ever wondered how you, how you know what color egg a chicken lays, if you look at their earlobes, which is just behind their eye, if they have red earlobes, they, they lay brown eggs. If they have white earlobes, they, they lay white eggs. And so some people wonder about that. There's really no difference between a brown egg and a white egg in terms of nutrition and value. It's just a difference in the color of the shell. Uh, most people seem to prefer a white egg, so a lot of the laying breeds that are used produce white eggs. And then there are the blue eggs um, that are laid by the Arcana-type chickens that came from South America. And so they have various shades of bluish-green, and some people like those just for the novelty of them. But as I mentioned, the meat breeds, you're looking at Cornish rocks or Cornish rock crosses, and those are tremendously meaty chickens uh, that a lot of people are using to, even in the commercial industry, that's what's used, and then those locally. But as I said, most people go with dual-purpose breeds, and when I was growing up, a lot of had, people had what were called domineckers uh, that are a gray speckled-type chicken. The Plymouth Rock also fits that category. And one of my favorites is the Buff Orpington, which is a yellow chicken that's just a really beautiful chicken, and they, they're they a docile chicken. They're not hard to deal with. And then the Rhode Island Reds uh, that a lot of people are familiar with and wine dots, silver lace wine dots. A lot of people have had those over the years, as well as the Sussex, which is kind of a, I guess you would call it kind of a bronze uh, feather with white uh, specks in it that really makes it an attractive chicken. And then if you're into some of the more interesting breeds, uh, there's one called the Jersey Giant that was developed in New Jersey several years ago uh, by someone that was trying to make a meat breed. And they get to really be large chickens. The roosters can weigh up to 13 pounds. Uh, and they are a meat breed is what they were developed for, but they really don't put much meat on until they get to six months of age. So they're not very useful in the meat industry, but some people like to have them. And so if you're interested in getting into poultry business or maybe you're in, uh, in the backyard poultry business already, you know, a lot of people say, where can I get chicks or chickens? Well, fortunately, in our area, you have a couple of stores that constantly have chicks. Uh, Rural King and Tractor Supply seem to constantly have chicks or chicken, the small chicks there, not, not mature chickens. But if you order them yourself, the, the chicks need to come from a location that is approved by the National Poultry Improvement Plan. And there's reasons for that that we'll get into at various points in this discussion about backyard poultry. Uh, because those are your chances of um, not running into health problems are much greater if you do that. Any chick that you buy uh, can and should be vaccinated against what's called Merrick's disease. And they do that at the hatchery. One thing I would caution people about, there are locations around where you can buy chickens at auction barns. I'd be careful about doing that unless there are safeguards in place. Uh, 
One of the things to really be aware of is biosecurity. Uh, avian influenza is a major threat when it gets into this country uh, to the poultry industry. And as I've mentioned a few weeks ago, Washington County has the largest egg production facility in Virginia. And they're constantly concerned about biosecurity. And we as backyard egg and chicken producers need to be aware of that too. Uh, this disease is generally carried by different birds, but the, the flyaways, we're in some of the flyaways where birds migrate, waterfowl migrate, and they can carry these things. And sometimes you go to an auction barn and you get a bargain on a chicken and you get home and it's sick. And so trying to avoid those kinds of things is important for the industry as a whole. And chicks, if you, if you are buying, they can be shipped through the mail as long as they're not more than 24 hours old. If you go to the post office in the spring, occasionally you'll hear the chicks in the back uh, uh, cheaping. And so you can get them there. Usually you have to get at least 25 to do that. Or as I said, you can buy at the local stores. And, you know, if you need a list of hatcheries, you could contact the extension office and I can help you with that. Well, obviously chickens need housing. And if you're in an urban setting, uh, that doesn't necessarily present a big problem. There are chickens running around in Abingdon and other communities. But some things you need to consider is how close are you to your neighbors and the ability to keep your chickens at home uh, because some people don't enjoy the chickens getting up on the back porch and doing the things they do sometimes. Um, and also, if you live in a subdivision or something, are there any... Uh, covenants in that subdivision that would keep you from from either keeping chickens or from building a, a facility. One of my daughters uh, has two boys that do the 4-H Pullet Project here in Washington County, and she actually lives in another county, and there's a restriction on how many chickens they can have in, the, in that particular town that she lives in, and so you have to be aware of those things. Actually, the chicken house that we built for them had to be inspected by the planning and zoning people before it could be approved. So you have to be aware of those things. And if you're out where you have some land, uh, do you want portable housing? If you're doing pasture-raised poultry where you're letting the chickens graze and eat the bugs and so forth, is that what you, you have to consider that or is it fixed housing? And it needs to be designed for your convenience. You know, everything sounds easy when you've never done it before. Uh, but when you don't feel the, build the right kind of facility and you're having to crawl in it on your hands and knees to get the eggs or to gather the eggs or to disinfect or uh, do anything else that needs to be done, catch the birds or whatever, you have to be aware of that. And so if you do plan to get larger, is it designed where you can expand it? And your coop really needs to be, or your chicken coop, really needs to be designed to protect your flock from the, from the elements, first of all, from rain and snow and hot or cold temperatures or other weather conditions that come along. And it needs to be dry, it needs to be dry and draft-free. Uh, if you have a, a building with windows uh, or doors that can be opened to ventilate it, uh, that will certainly work. But one of the things to be aware of anywhere is it needs you need to be able to protect the birds from predators. Um, there are a number of things that will kill chickens. Um, we think of the big things like the chicken hawks. Uh, but dogs are certainly a problem. But raccoons, 
are one of the bigger problems, and periodically someone will call the office wondering what's happened to their chickens. They found their chickens dead with their heads gone, and that's most likely raccoons causing that. If you live near a stream, uh, minks can be a problem. If you live near a stream, or weasels uh, can be a problem, or cats, as Ivy could testify to, can be a problem. And so you need to have chicken wire or some type of exclusion where predators can't get into it to cause a problem with the flock. And they really need enough space to move around and exercise. Uh, the amount of space needed depends on the type and the size of chicken that you're going to raise. Generally, for small breeds, uh, you need about three-quarters to one square foot per bird. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or three to three and a half square feet for, per bird for larger breeds of chickens. And so, and if you think about floor space, about one and a half to two feet of floor space per adult chicken. And so you can figure that, depends on how many chickens you're going to get. It should provide access to feed and water. And one thing that to be aware of with chickens as far as egg layers go, or any chicken, they all lay eggs, uh, but... They're daylight sensitive, and they come into production as the daylight increases and go out as it decreases. And chickens molt. Um, you know, people buy chickens, and then once a year they'll molt their feathers or they'll lose their feathers. They really look ugly then. And when they're doing that, they don't lay any eggs. And so just be aware of that. I'm just throwing that in at that point. But if you want to improve egg production, uh, if you uh, from the chickens you have, if you can provide supplemental light with a 60-watt bulb about every 40 feet uh, at ceiling height, that helps the chickens uh, believe that the days are not as short as they should be in the fall and winter and spring, and so you can end up getting improving egg production. A chicken lays an egg when it's in production. The egg layers do about every 26 hours, and so uh, you know, I had a breed called black sex links when I was a kid. And the black sex links were are a cross between a barred rock breed and a red rock breed. And they look kind of like a robin. They have black feathers and an orange breast. A lot of them do. But they would lay, if you had 15 chickens in the summertime when the days were long, you'd get about 14 eggs a day. And, you know, I might make a comment there. If you're trying to decide how many chickens to have, you need to think about how many eggs you can eat or can you get rid of the eggs because you can end up in the height of, uh, of the egg-laying season with more eggs than you know what to do with. And so you need to be a good neighbor or you need to have some plan to sell those eggs or do something. And uh, it's uh, they can pile up in a hurry, I can tell you that. But anyhow... Um, so there's lots of things you can use for housing, and if you go to different farm stores, you can buy some pretty fancy houses for chickens. Uh, if you're in a subdivision, that might be what you want to do. And, you know, giving your neighbors a dozen eggs every once in a while may help uh, with any difficulties you might have when chickens escape. So I'm going to take a break right now, and we'll be back. Oh, pretty man. 
Support for WEHC comes from Snow's Fine Meats and Provisions, a neighborhood butcher shop in downtown Abingdon specializing in locally sourced pasture-raised proteins, handmade deli items, and specialty goods. Open Tuesday through Saturday and online at Snow's Fine Meats, 160 East Main Street, Abingdon. Snow's Fine Meats, bringing the old-fashioned butcher shop experience to your table. I heard the boys of a pork chop say, come on, dummy and rest. Well, you talk about your stewing beans, I know what's the best. Locally owned and operated since 1914, Food Country USA provides customers quality and value with products sourced from farms in our region. From the farm, to our stores, to your table. Food Country USA. We are back now with more Farm Talk and got a couple questions for you, Phil. Um, First of all, you were mentioning about, you know, you need to think about how many chickens you want for how many eggs you need. But what about do chickens need company? Can you only have one hen or should you have a flock? Yeah, you can have one hen. I don't know how practical that is, but I guess if you if you want a pet chicken, that would be fine. I used to know a guy in Abingdon that actually ran the Abingdon rug factory when it was going, and he had a stuffed chicken in his house, and he told me that when he was a kid that that was his pet chicken that followed him everywhere. So, yeah, you can have, but now they are a flock-type bird, so obviously they're more inclined to be with other chickens than they are people, so it's probably a good idea to have more than one. Uh, no hard and fast rule on that. But you do need to be careful if you want to introduce more into a flock. Absolutely. Think about biosecurity. If you're going to introduce uh, adult chickens uh, into a flock, they should be quarantined. Um, or separated from the current flock that you have for probably three weeks would be the safest thing to do so that if they did encounter any kind of disease, it would have time to incubate and show symptoms before you introduced them. Uh, And certainly if you're raising your own chickens, if you're incubating eggs or whatever you're doing, or if you're letting hens set and hatch eggs, you don't want to introduce... uh, foreign chickens, we'll say, into those naive chickens without having quarantined them for some time. And we got an email from John, and he asked, I've got a flock of chickens and collect the manure. How long do I need to let it age before putting it on my garden? Okay, that's a good question. You really, you don't have to let uh, manure age before you can use it. The, The caveat to that would be, uh, if you're going to use it on a garden, you need to put it. You you either need to incorporate it after you put it down, or you need to have it down several months ahead of time, just for food safety stand from a food safety standpoint. All animal manure has E. coli in it, and so you don't want to put fresh manure on a garden and with and then plant your tomatoes or beans or whatever, and then that splash up on the vegetables. Uh, there's a chance of uh, contamination from that. But if you incorporate it, that's not such a big deal. But it really don't have to age before you can do it. Be careful with uh, poultry manure, though, because it's very high in, in nitrogen. Uh, it's, Of course, uh, chickens don't pee. And so uric acid, you see the white part, you see uric acid in poultry manure. And in layman's terms, it's very hot in terms of nitrogen, so be very careful about how much you would put around plants or anything like that, that you don't cause a, a nitrogen burn there. 
That's a good question. Okay. Other questions, please uh, feel free to let us know what those are. And we think about, we're talking about housing right now, and hopefully uh, we'll get into some better details next week as far as the chickens themselves. But you got to have a place for them to start with. And you need a perch or a roost. Uh, if you've never had chickens, they like to roost. And a good rule of thumb is to allow 6 to 10 inches of linear perch space for each a chicken. So when you build a roost, you're going to build a roost up off of the floor, and those um, those chickens will go on that to roost at night. And uh, the way they were traditionally built when I was growing up is you had somewhat like an incline, a stair step of poles up that they could uh, roost in rows, if you can visualize what I'm saying there. And the top one would probably be three or four feet in the air, and obviously that's where most of the chickens wanted to go, was up as high as they could. You'll also need nest boxes. And if you're thinking about nest space for chickens, you need about one nest box per four or five hens. You don't have to have one for each one. And the dimensions on those, if you got something to write this down with, they need to be about 12 to 15 inches square, length by width, and then about 12 inches deep. So they're roughly a, a cube of even size. And they should be at least 18 inches off the floor. Now, if chickens don't have a place to lay, they'll find a place. They'll crawl up under the barn floor, or they'll go out in the woods and find a bush they can lay under or something. Uh, but from for the standpoint of you getting those eggs, uh, it's best to have them located like that. Uh, there, there should be in front of the nest box a front panel that's 45 inches high, and that gives uh, the birds and the chickens an idea that they're secluded to some degree, and it keeps the eggs from rolling out uh, when the chickens are moving in and out of the box. You can build just one long box with a lid on it and a walkway up to it for the chickens with one entrance, and they'll go in there and lay and you can lift the lid up and harvest the eggs that way or gather the eggs. That sounds better, don't it, than harvest the eggs. Uh, or you, some of the newer-style houses have access to the egg nest from the outside, so you just walk up and lift, lift up the door and gather the eggs from the back. And so you can put a perch in front of the boxes for the chickens to stand on as they exit and enter the nest. Uh, but... Anyhow, regardless of what you use uh, or what in the whole facility for that standpoint, you need some bedding, and it needs to be as dry as possible. One of the ways you can tell if your bedding's dry, if you look at the bottom of the chicken's feet and it's soft, it's not firm, it's soft, and it looks watery, waterlogged, we might say like we would if we stayed in the bathtub too long, uh, then uh, you need to dry the bedding out. And lots of things can be used. You can use shavings, uh, pine sawdust, pine bark, chopped straw, uh, leaves. Lots of things can be used there. And just as long as you keep it dry, I should go back and say something about the perch or the roost. One of the good things about the roost is that's where you'll really get the pile of, of chicken manure that you can use later on to put on the garden or for other purposes. And uh, it makes it a little bit easier to, uh, uh, to use that because it's not scattered around that way. So let's move now from the facilities to the chicken itself and a uh, bird's an interesting animal uh, because their anatomy is different uh, than mammals it's different than most any other animal 
you know, ducks. We're not talking about ducks. But if you ever wonder why ducks floats easy, it's because they have hollow bones. And so they trap air in there, and that gives them the ability to float and swim and or just rest floating for that matter. But if we think about the, uh, f- you know, feeding a chicken is uh, – it's a little different than a lot of things. Uh, they are a monogastric, which means they only have one stomach, but they really have a different digestive system than what we think about with almost anything, with the exception of maybe some crustaceans and worms. Um, they swallow their feed and their water, and it goes into an organ called the crop. That's the first place that it ends up is the crop. And then you have a an organ, or, or you can actually feel the crop. Let me say that if you if you catch your chickens and they've just eaten a lot, and you feel down their neck, about you know most of the way down before you get to the breast on the chicken, you can feel a lump there, and you can tell there's feed in that, and that crop is waiting to be digested, and when it's empty or nearly empty, that sends a hunger signal to the chicken's brain so that they go and eat more. Now, chickens eat a lot. Uh, The good thing about it is, you know, they're very efficient with it. For example, the broilers will produce a pound of meat with less than two pounds of feed, and that's more efficient than most any animal that you think about, with the exception maybe of a catfish. but then you have an organ called the proventriculus, and that's your trivia word for the day. There'll be a test on that next week, so remember that one. Uh, but that's actually the true stomach in the chicken. That's where the digestive juices, like our stomach, would produce are added to the, to the uh, feed that's there. Hydrochloric acid and pepsinogen are added there to the food that begins a digestive process, and then... It moves to the gizzard. Everybody's heard of the gizzard, I assume. And the gizzard is just really two sets of strong muscles that were actually act like the hen's teeth. You know, you've heard people have talk about something being scarce as hen's teeth. Well, hens don't actually have any teeth for that matter, so that's pretty scarce. But some people refer to the gizzard as the hen's teeth because that's what it does. It actually... Uh, through the muscle contractions actually, I guess you would say, grinds the feed. And if you're feeding a commercial poultry food, uh, then really the gizzard can handle that on its own. But now, if your chickens are out grazing if you, or if you're feeding whole grains like wheat or, something, or even cracked corn, uh, they don't have the ability to grind that, and so the gizzard, what they will do is they will peck up gravels, little pieces of stone, and those are stored in the gizzard, and they actually grind the feed. Those contractions and those stones grind the feed, which gets it in a form then that it can go on into the intestinal system and the nutrients be absorbed from that. Now, if you keep your chickens housed all the time and you're feeding whole grains, or crack grains, then you need to supply some grit. You can actually buy grit uh, for your chickens, and they will get what they need out of that and uh, be able to grind the feed in their gizzard. And so it's a pretty amazing thing. Now, the gizzard's not the biggest delicacy in the chicken, though. That ought to make sense as much as it works, that it's pretty going to be a pretty tough muscle. My brother used to really want the gizzards when we were little. That was the first thing he wanted, and I never did want the gizzard. So if uh, if you uh, uh, 
if you're interested in these things, if you're interested in anything we've talked about today, housing, or any other information I've talked about, maybe you think I said something wrong, then you let me know, and we'll get the right information out there. Or I'll tell you I was right anyhow, one of the two. So I want to thank everybody for being with us today. We'll continue this discussion next week. If you have suggestions of topics, if you could pass those on, we'll try to deal with those things as we go along with Farm Talk. Thank you, Ivy, and thank you, WEHC, for allowing me to be on today. You have been listening to Farm Talk here on WEHC. Do tune in next Wednesday at 1 o'clock for another edition of Farm Talk. And as Phil said, be sure to email your questions to pblevins at vt.edu or call during the show 276-944-6933. This is WEHC Emory 90.7 and WISE FM Wise 90.5. Also heard in Big Stone Gap at 90.1, Clintwood at 90.3, St. Paul at 90.9, Pound at 91.3, Norton at 91.7, and streaming worldwide at wehcfm.com.